would say my favorite part of the Last Dance documentary was just how Michael Jordan, in all of his interviews, had this tall glass of scotch next to him the entire time. He had this glass of scotch with with his cigar, with a napkin neatly rolled up underneath the cigar. And you could tell in certain parts of that interview, the glass of scotch was tall. In other parts of the interview, it was about half full. So he was drinking it. And I think there were definitely parts of the documentary where he was a little bit looser than in other parts of the documentary. Namely, when the reporter brought up this article that called his rookie year bulls the cocaine cowboys, the traveling cocaine circus, something like that. And he just starts cracking up in a way I don't think I've ever seen Michael Jordan crack up, like in interviews. And so what was really, I mean, underlining this entire thing was just how candid he was. He was candid about Jerry Krause, about Scottie Pippen, about some of the things that went wrong in that final year with the Bulls. And I think this is going to be a really awesome documentary. I mean, look, the first two episodes I thought were okay. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people um, really excited about it right now. And look, I get it. It's it's sports. We haven't had sports in a very long time. And it is sports. I mean, they are showing enough highlights and they are showing enough stuff. And it has all the drama that we like from sports, specifically with the NBA, that it is sports. It is This is content. And I, it's only going to get better. Okay, I mean, the reporting right now is that they had to lay the groundwork these first two episodes. It was sort of just a um, a boot camp and what Michael Jordan was. Because, look, I'm, I'm 29. I was very young when Michael Jordan was doing all of his winning. And so this has been great for me. And Steve Kerr talks about that. He talked about that with Scott Van Pelt after the first two episodes aired Sunday night. I want to get to those comments a little bit later on. By the way, welcome to Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for the Mercury News. Like I said, Kerr went on Scott Van Pelt Sunday night, and what he said I thought was pretty interesting. And we'll, we'll get to our Twitter poll questions later on, too. But first, something that stuck out to me during that documentary was the fact that Scottie Pippen, for so long, was so underpaid when they were doing all of their winning. When they were doing all of their winning, Scottie Pippen was the 121st, 122nd highest paid player in the league. He was making less than two million bucks a year. Okay. Scott Van Pelt on, on on ESPN after after it all aired said, you know, had this data point that this year's player, this year's one hundred twenty second highest paid player is Andre Roberson. And you could argue Scottie Pippen was the second best player in the NBA those Michael Jordan years when they were doing all of their winning. He was certainly maybe the second most valuable player. I mean, there are few players as good as Scottie Pippen ever were. And he was the Robin to Michael Jordan's Batman. And it is wild to me that he was so underpaid. I didn't know that. Okay? And the obvious parallel there is that when the Warriors were doing all of their winning, Steph Curry was so completely underpaid. Now, he was not underpaid the way that Scottie Pippen was underpaid. Okay? He was not criminally underpaid in that way. And look, we can I, I'm not I don't want to do the whole blame game thing. Scottie Pippen was he did he make a mistake in signing a seven year deal? Probably, right? He talked about coming out of Central Arkansas, how confident he was. He walks into that Bulls locker room that had Michael Jordan and Horace Grant and was saying that I am gonna be I'm gonna be better than MJ and Horace Grant basically just starts smacking him around, which I thought was a great part of the 
documentary, but if you were that confident, then why did you sign a seven-year deal when everybody was telling you not to do that, right? So whatever, I, maybe, and Michael Jordan came out and said he handled it wrong in the, at the end, like he had a contract. And look, maybe the, and the Bulls, look, like contracts are contract, but the Bulls probably should have paid him those last couple of years. I guess, you know, according to Mark Stein, I, I think you were able to renegotiate contracts back then. So they ought to, they, they should have done that. But let's also not mess around and say that him being so underpaid was such a, is such an important part to building a team, not just a championship winning team, but a team that can win several, a team that can win multiple championships, kind of always needs to have that guy who is unfortunately underpaid. For the Warriors, it was Steph Curry for so long. I mean, how many years were we talking about Steph Curry is the best bargain in all of basketball? And by the way, next year, he will be the highest paid player in all of basketball, higher Highest, highest paid player, more, he's going to be making more than LeBron James, more than James Harden, more than all these other guys, more than Giannis, more than all these MVP candidates. Steph Curry will be the highest paid player in the league next year, and he deserves it, okay? But he do, he is getting sort of, he's going to get paid post probably the part of his career that we're all going to remember when it's all said and done. He's going to be making $43 million next year after he did probably the most important stuff that he's going to do for his entire career. And that's what happened with Scottie Pippen, by the way. But he never got paid with the Bulls, and that was the difference, is that Steph ended up getting paid with the Warriors. And if you look at the Warriors from a team-building perspective, they don't have anybody really that's underpaid at this point, okay? Real key contributors, all right? Steph Curry is not underpaid. He's the highest-paid player in the league. Klay Thompson, no longer underpaid, making $25, $26 million a year. Um, Draymond Green got his extension. He's going to be getting paid. So all these guys are getting paid. Andrew Wiggins at $27 million a year is overpaid. He might be a nice player for them, but he will never be worth $27 million for them. Never, ever. No, of course not. So that makes Bob Myers' Bob Myers's job that much more difficult, right? How do you find a way to find value on your roster now? Because you don't really have it anymore. It's not to say there's no good players on the roster. You just don't have that value, okay? You don't have that, that outsized value. I mean... Steph Curry, we, we all talk about the cap spike is the reason that the Warriors were able to bring in Kevin Durant. It's the cap spike plus the fact that Steph Curry signed that extension. It, it Had Steph signed a max contract, it wouldn't have mattered about the cap spike. They would have never gotten Durant, ever. Like That was just as big a part of it as the cap spike in 2016. And I don't know where that value comes from now. I think a lot of people might look, okay, Eric Paschal, all right, all right, we'll see. Like, Eric Paschal's a good player. He's probably worth more than his contract, but how much more is he worth? I don't know. Is he a top eight guy in a playoff rotation? We don't know that yet, and we're not going to know that. Marquise Chris might be the, the closest thing to a value contract on this team, but this is a team that for so long has been getting value out of that center position and treat that position as such, and they treat it like a bullpen. So I don't know how much more Chris is going to be able to overdeliver on his contract either. So there's not as much value, okay? I'm not gonna like. There's value, but there's not that outsized value. There's not that huge gap between what the player gets paid and what that player actually contributes on the basketball court. They're not gonna have that anymore, and that's just gonna, again that is gonna make Bob Myers's job that much harder. It's gonna make everybody's job that much harder. Everybody, if they're gonna go back and win a championship, if this is gonna be that middle year, if this is gonna be the gap year, because in order for something to be a gap year. It has to be, there has to be something on the other side of it. If not, it's just another year. 
So it's another year. I mentioned Steve Kerr's comments on uh, Scott Van Pelt, and I thought they were really interesting, and we'll get to that next. This is Locked On Warriors. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a 12-pack of beers while you watch the game, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast. That's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what you eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food. That's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery too. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store. No more late night fast food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download the Postmates app on iOS or Android. Find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days, to start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Steve Kerr went on with Scott Van Pelt after the documentary aired and talked about how difficult it was to win that final season in Chicago and how difficult it is to sustain winning all of those years. And I couldn't help but draw a parallel to last year's Warriors. Yes, the Warriors were injured in the finals. But if you had to bet on one of those teams winning the finals in the preseason, the heavy favorite would have been the Warriors. The heavy favorite. With what the Bulls were dealing with, with Scottie Pippen injured and unhappy, Jerry Krause threatening to rebuild the the entire team, uh, and kicking out Phil Jackson, telling him that even if you go 82-0, this is your final year coaching the Chicago Bulls. The Warriors would have been a heavy favorite over... The Bulls. All things considered, going into that year, who wins the finals this year? The Warriors last season or the Bulls in 1998? Everybody would have bet the Warriors because they were obviously healthy. They had Kevin Durant. They were coming off this complete shellacking of the Cleveland Cavaliers in the finals the year before. And it just and but both teams were dealing with internal drama. Okay, and look. Social media, all those things, it kind of plays up the drama that happened in Golden State last year versus the one that what was happening in Chicago, but it doesn't make the drama any more or less real, right? It was still happening. It was still in that locker room. In that documentary, we saw um, we saw a video of Michael Jordan kicking a Miller Lite box. We saw video of, of, of them fighting in hallways and in, in the locker rooms and stuff like that. I mean, just the way that Michael Jordan was talking to Jerry Krause, I mean— Steph Curry does not talk to Bob Myers that way, right? Steve Kerr does, uh, you know, Steph doesn't talk to Steve Kerr that way. I mean, the drama that was happening in the with the Chicago Bulls and for them to ultimately come out and win the championship that year is beyond remarkable, beyond remarkable, and highlights underscores how difficult it is to sustain winning, and that's what Steve Kerr was saying. And we just remember that whole year with the Warriors last season. That final year with Kevin Durant, that entire season, it just felt like it was on the brink of being over. That was, everybody would say, look, I don't think that Steve Kerr went out and printed a a syllabus talking about how this was the last dance like Phil Jackson did. Like, Phil Jackson literally named the season the last dance. I don't think the Warriors went that far. But I remember at Media Day that that year, they were talking about that season as if it were the last dance. All the same things that Phil Jackson was talking like, we don't know how this is long this is going to go. We need to appreciate the moment while we have it. And while we do have it, we need to win the best we can. We need to do what we can to go out and win one more championship. That was exactly how the Warriors were talking going into last season. The last season with KD. That's exactly how they were talking. 
from media day, okay? That was the plan. That was the last dance, and everybody knew it. And even in retrospective, everybody talking about that season knew it was over. Everybody knew it was over. And it was. It was the last year. And look, does if Kevin Durant doesn't get hurt, if Klay Thompson doesn't get hurt in June, do they end up winning the finals? Maybe. Maybe. But it's not like the Bulls didn't deal with their own injuries, too. And as much as much talent as the Bulls had with, with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, who was healthy by the time the final rolled around, they didn't have that sort of talent anyway. They didn't have the talent of the Warriors. They didn't. They had Michael Jordan, sure. But they didn't have all that talent. Okay, they didn't have Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Scottie Pippen, and another Scottie Pippen. You know, they had Michael Jordan, or like, they had Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, they had Dennis Rodman. But the, all those guys were at the end of their... Like, Dennis Rodman was at the end of his career. Scottie Pippen was in the twilight of his career, probably. Of his prime, certainly. Clay Thompson was talking about how those were the that's the best he's ever played. Clay Thompson believes that that was the best he's ever played in those finals before he went down with the ACL. He does not think he's ever played better than he was in those finals at that time. And Draymond Green had just came off of being maybe the most dominant player on the floor against Portland in the Western Conference Finals. That team was still very good. So maybe they go ahead and win that Toronto Raptors series, but the Raptors are really good too, and they were deeper than the Warriors were, by the way. That proved out. So look, I don't know if if the Warriors would have won had they been healthy, but again, it just goes to show how much luck is involved in all of this stuff. And again, just how remarkable that last year was with with the Bulls. And I'm and I'm excited to watch this because what is very obvious very early in this documentary was just how much Michael Jordan wanted it. And I tend to stay away from cliches. I'm I'm a journalist. I don't like the sports cliches. Okay, I don't like to use them. When I talk about this stuff, but it's, I mean, it's undeniable when you watch that documentary where they get out to the 4-4 four and four start in 1998 or 1997-98 season, and and, and the, the entire team is frustrated. They're losing to the Clippers, or they're, you know, they're just barely beating the Clippers. They're losing to the Cavaliers by 20 points. They're, all this stuff. They can't win on the road. And Michael Jordan just goes on another level. I don't know that this team has that. Draymond Green kind of has that, but you can't do it if you're not that. If you're not the best player on the team, it just carries a little bit of different weight. I don't think that the Warriors, even had Steph not broken his hand in the fourth game of the season, would have had that moment this year. I don't think that they would have had that. And I'm not, I don't mean that to take away from anybody, but it just, it, I'm, I mean this more to just sort of underscore how good and how special Michael Jordan was at that time. I mean, he was Kobe Bryant with all of the talent of, like, just better, just a better version of Kobe Bryant. That's what he was, right? Like, he had that attitude. And I, and I draw that parallel because I don't remember Michael Jordan winning like that. I, I remember I remember him being the biggest celebrity on the planet when I was a kid. Like, I remember, like, I knew... I was like... I, look, again, I'm 29 years old. In 1998, I was, I was 7 or 8 years old, okay? That was the last time he won. So I don't really remember it. I, I couldn't... I certainly could not appreciate it. I knew, like, a handful of famous people, one of which was Michael Jordan... So to go back and watch that, and I didn't know any of this stuff. Like, I didn't know any, like, the Scottie Pippen stuff was underpaid. I didn't know any of the stuff happening with Jerry Krause or Phil. I didn't know any of that. I didn't know who Phil Jackson was. I didn't know who he was. So for me to go back and, and watch this 
I do get reminded of Kobe Bryant because I saw the Kobe Bryant stuff happen. Like, I saw the drama between him and Shaq happen. Like, I saw all that happen, right? I witnessed it. I could appreciate it. I could understand it. I was old enough. And that's, I think, what this documentary is really made for. And I go back to Steve Kerr's comments uh, to Scott Van Pelt when he was talking about what he thinks is going to be of value from this documentary is for people who are like me who grew up knowing who Michael Jordan was but not really knowing who Michael Jordan was and how dominant he was within the context of the league that year and how much influence and impact he had over the the NBA and just the sports world in general. So that's what I'm really enjoying out of it. I imagine a lot of people you listening to this are either, you know, around my age or younger and are seeing it in the same way I'm seeing it. And so I'm really I like I love the I, I'm I am a fan of like I know I say stay away from the sports cliches, but I am a fan of the cliche argument. I am a fan of just that regular uh bar, you know, sports bar argument of LeBron or Michael. I think that's what this is all about. It's just, it's stuff like that. If you're a fan of these games and this is putting it in context for me in a way that I don't think I could have found otherwise. And during this quarantine, I found I go back and watch a lot of Michael Jordan games. I'm trying to understand it in a way that I hadn't before. I never had the time. I never really could do it. I never really had the motivation to do it. And now that I have the time and I have the motivation, all of this is very topical and it's in the uh, forefront of the news cycle because there are no other actual sports happening. It's given me the motivation to go ahead and do that. And so I'm going to enjoy this. I'm really excited for it. Uh, we'll check the Twitter polls next. This is Locked On Warriors. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. When you get done here, you can tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of any other Locked On Network podcast, including Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. Let's go to the polls. The first one was Michael Jordan's scotch more expensive than everything you drank over the weekend? 89% of you said yes. 11% of you said no. Uh, whoever said no, congrats. That's good. You're drinking some quality stuff. Um, 89%. Look, I my guess is Blue Label. I think that's the obvious one. But it wouldn't shock me if he went a little off the board. I think, first of all, it was definitely scotch. I don't think he's drinking whiskey. He's drinking the scotch because he's got the cigar next to it. It's absolutely scotch. Again, probably Blue Label. Michael Jordan does strike me as a Blue Label guy, but it wouldn't shock me if he went something... A little bit different. If you went like a Lagavulin 11 year or something like that, wouldn't surprise me if he had like a special thing. But most of these guys, most of these rich guys just drink Blue Label anyway because it's kind of a status thing. Our next thing, poll. Is all of this just ESPN's ploy to restart the LeBron versus Michael debate? 75% of you said yes. 25% of you said no. For the 25% of you that said no, wake up. It's 100% going to lead to LeBron versus Michael debates. A hundred percent is going that direction. Not only because I just was talking about it in the last, it's just the natural way to go. I mean, I just sort of fell into it in the last segment. It is the natural progression of this life cycle. And this is going to have a huge life cycle. We're going to start talking about Scottie Pippen's legacy, um, Phil Jackson's legacy among coaches. Uh, did Phil Jackson's stint with the Knicks, uh, you know, soil what he was able to do with Chicago and L.A.? We're going to get into all of that, and we're 100% getting into LeBron versus Michael. That is happening, people. And you know what? I'll take it at this point. Uh, better player. Here we go. Michael or LeBron? 74% of you said Michael. 26 of you said LeBron. Uh, or 26% of you said LeBron. I'm not ready to make that argument yet. I'm going to wait and see because I'm going to watch the rest of this documentary. And uh, I'm going to withhold judgment. All right, that's it for Locked on Warriors. Thank you for listening, and stay safe. Stay inside. 
catch you later this week.